Welcome to the Skyrocket Education Podcast. Featuring Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They've seen everything, and they're here to share that with you. Get ready for the most honest, no BS, totally unfiltered education podcast around. Buckle up for informal observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. I am Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket, here as always with our Chief Schools Officer, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, as always. <laughs> as uh, you're, So is that you're always doing great? Is that the deal? Well, you're always with me, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it, man. I love the energy. Um, I am pumped up to bring out our guest tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. He's somebody we've known for a long time. His uh, his energy lights up the room, his smarts. We say that if, if he was in charge of the vaccination rollout, oh, man. every American would be, we'd all, we'd, we'd have extra shots. We'd be giving each yeah. other shots <laughs> for fun in the leg. You'd be at, we'd be at, so back done. at parties, yeah. giving each other <laughs> shots of the vaccine because this guy is so freaking smart and he's so great. Oh, when yeah. it comes to logistics and operations and all things school. And so we're going to bring out our guest, Angel Pena, in a little bit. But before we do, we are going to do what we always do, which is three questions for the good doctor. Antonio, the first one, always random. Oh, boy. Something that's uh, not too important. But I, we are in the Northeast. <laughs> and for those of you who are not in the Northeast, uh, Northeast United States, because we do have international listeners, we have to acknowledge that. So not everybody knows what the Northeast necessarily is. We're in the Northeast United States, and we have about two feet of frozen snow on the ground right now. And it's been here for a while. And so, Antonio, okay. my question for you is, mm. given the choice, would you choose snow and cold and skiing and a lodge with hot cocoa? Or are you like, get me to the beach, get me to the sun, get me to that crystal blue water? Oh, man. Which one, uh, which one do you choose and why? Snow or sun? Hmm. This one is difficult because let's see. I mean, I'm from Chicago. I love snow. I love the winter. It's my favorite season. I think I dress better in the winter. I mean, yeah. pandemic doesn't count because I really haven't had to like step out, you know. But yeah, I definitely but you dress show up. You come. You show up to some meetings sometimes, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> look at I this sweater this guy's got going on. <laughs> you, you haven't you, had to really step out. Um, but I love the winter. I love. I love winter. But I'm also a, a cancer, so I love the sun. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, the beach is everything. Um, if I had to pick one, I mean, you know, I look at it like this. If I had to freeze to death or burn to death. What the? That is how what? I decide that's not, this. That's... I know that's not the question, but <laughs> I prefer the cold because I don't want to burn to death. I don't want to be sweating and hot. And I'd rather just freeze and like. Just go into oblivion. So I'm going to go with snow. Snow. Okay. <laughs> I know I that took is, that to you, That took level. the weirdest turn. I did not talk <laughs> about burning or freezing to death. And I, by the way, I like how you act like freezing to death is like no big deal. Like yeah. you're like, oh, I would just like freeze to death. That'd be cool. Yeah, it will take longer, obviously, than burning. But yeah, nah. Yeah, I'm going to go with, with, with the snow. Listen, man, you'll be surprised at my answer because as a Long Island, a Long Island guy, you know, Long Island surrounded by water, obviously it's an island. Uh, I grew up, man, beach and sun 
and sand and our family used to vacation down to the Caribbean yeah. when I, when we were younger and so um that was my that was my that was my gig growing up man uh beach and 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 you know boats and you know all that all that stuff but something happened to me like 10 years ago or maybe 15 where I love the snow and now I, yeah. I want to be clear I don't like shoveling snow and I don't I mean oh man it's I a think great workout yeah I think it's okay like I don't hate it um but I don't like like cleaning my car off necessarily but i love the cold man i love the cold i love the snow i have become i'm at the point now where if it's like 70 degrees i'm sweating but if it's like 20 degrees i'm outside in like shorts i mean i my old neighbor when we used to live in pennsylvania my old neighbor would laugh at me because i would take the garbage out while the driveway was covered in ice i'd take the garbage out with no shoes on and no socks and he thought I was crazy just because my wife doesn't let anybody wear shoes wow. in the house. So I'd be like, I'm not putting my shoes on to go do this. And my neighbor would think I was crazy. But it, I've started to build up this immunity to the cold where I am just, I mean, I'm outside in a t-shirt and shorts and it's its 18 degrees out and I, I love it. So we, we've jokingly said that we want to move somewhere even colder, like, you know, Minneapolis or something like that. Yeah. I, I will warn you, however, Philadelphia in snow, those that Philadelphia parking wars, Yes. You know, you drive around, you see the, the living room table in a parking space. You see people's, like, blankets and cones. I mean, there's so many different... I mean, you can furnish a house just driving around with the things. And they don't do this anywhere else. In New yeah. York, you dig your car out and you keep it moving, right? It, it's, it's not your space. The, uh, people, I don't think people know... Tell people what you're talking about because this is fascinating. Oh, this, yeah. I've gotten it's... straight up screamed at in oh, Philadelphia yeah. trying to park. Tell people what, what you're talking about. You know, after, after, you know, after it snows, folks shovel their car out. It is their space for the remainder of the time <laughs> the that there is, yeah. is snow. Yeah. So if it's a week, three weeks, a month, it is their parking space. They shoveled it out and they will put their personal belongings, whatever that is, from their house, I mean, I've seen dining, I've seen chairs from their dining room set, I've seen living room tables, I've seen nightstands, any type of furniture or anything that they can to put out to reserve their space, yeah. it is gonna happen. And God forbid that you touch it, move it, or even try to park there, you you will come back to four flat tires, I promise. So in Philly, if you don't know this, if it's snowing, you see something there, hold the space, don't move it, you will regret it. That's right. That's right. Good advice. Sound advice from you always. That's what that's what the coaching that that's is that the kind of coaching you're giving uh, leaders around the country? Around <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> let's uh, let's shift gears, man. Tell us something you've learned recently, something that our listeners or something that's inspired you recently, something that our, our listeners might um, that might resonate with our listeners or inspire them as well. Yeah, sure. You know, I read this article in Ed Week. Um, this question I, I, I am prepared for because <laughs> um, you've been consistent with this one. Um, it's only episode seven. It's good. You, <laughs> you figured it out. In um, Ed Week, that was, it was really interesting. I had an interesting co- a conversation with a colleague, but it was really about, um, you know, we, we do this talk. We, we've been talking a lot about learning loss uh, with students. And what is the actual connection and where does accountability um, you know, fall into this. I, you know, one of my own personal leadership, my, my leadership triangle is around high expectations, um, accountability and support. And does accountability have a place um, in the current situation with COVID and just the way schools are? And we, we talk a lot about quote unquote learning loss. And um, a colleague of mine was saying, you know, 
they really want to get away from using that term that, you know, students are, are, are not learning or this quote unquote learning loss. But in fact, um, that there is some content learning loss. But in general, students are learning new skills. Yeah. And we've sort of, you know, come to this conclusion that, that this entire year is a, a wash. But I, I, I have to agree that it's not. Students have learned how to work independently on their own. They've learned how to manage their time differently in ways that they hadn't before. They have learned technology um, that they probably, I mean, I think that we've often thought that our students, um, especially now, are able to, you know, because they, they play video games, that that also translates to being able to use a word processor and, and being able to do all the technical stuff that they need to do on the internet. But I would argue, and, and you know, that it's not a loss, that students have learned a different skill um, and that just because they're not, you know, that there, are, there is some content loss, arguably. You know, the folks that I, and in that Ed Week article, there were the, this discussion about NWEA scores and MAP scores and how students have um, showed a decline. Um, but we all know that learning is holistic. It's not just defined by, you know, content-specific things. So I was really inspired and I've certainly been talking to my leaders, the leaders that I coach directly, um, to, to really stray away from that language um, that this year, you know, that there's all this learning loss and, and that it's a wash because students have learned something. And let's yeah. figure out a way to leverage that um, so that we can pick up and, and really fill that gap um, on the, the, the content that, that may have gotten um, shifted to the side. Well, it's an interesting point, right? Because uh, I mean, I'm in total agreement that kids are learning things that they probably wouldn't have learned if this didn't happen. I see to my own children and certainly the, the, the children in the schools that, that we partner with. Um, and, and right. Like, as you said, like, uh, the data's, the data showing, I mean, I spread something the other day that said that, uh, students on average, particularly in low income neighborhoods are, have fallen, uh, nine to 11 months mm. behind academically. Mm. And so, I love the distinction around let's call it something different because yeah. kids are acquiring new skills, but but let's also be uh, let's also be you know, radically transparent about what's actually happening academically. Yeah. And so when we get back to in person, and I know a lot of folks are, and a lot of folks are in hybrid, let's hit the gas uh, yeah. you know, a, a thousand miles an hour understanding that there are new skills that our students have Absolutely. that they can leverage or that we yep. can leverage with them. I look at my seven-year-old navigating the computer and the different, the different links and he can go on like he's doing stuff that that technology didn't exist when, when we were seven, but he's doing <laughs> stuff that I, I'm certain seven-year-olds would not be doing, at least not all of them sure. if this never happened. And so you're, 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 you know, you're spot on that article spot on. Um, and it's uh, and it's you know the, the the fact that academic academically academically if I could fucking talk academically <laughs> um, kids are kids are they they need to get caught up right I mean that's like that's a real thing oh yeah absolutely I, my, mine's a little different man I saw a picture the other day of a teacher with a math not a picture she it was a it was her it was her screensaver but then we, okay. we got into her classroom and it, it's her yeah. teaching. And she's got a uh, a mask on, and a visor, and she is teaching to kids in the room, mm -hmm. and also kids at home. And mm -hmm. she's checking for understanding with the kids in the room, and the kids at home. And I am like, just in total awe, of 
of what people are, what people in our profession are doing during this time. And yeah, I, I know that absolutely. people are making crazy sacrifices in, in so many ways. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure for, for most folks, it looks like teachers. And I know the healthcare workers are on the front line, obviously. Um, and, and, and they deserve all, all the credit, right? And, and, all, and all our thanks. But I'm seeing teachers and educators who are just walking through fire in, a, in, in, in such a, in such a, uh, just an absolutely, absolutely unprecedented environment. Yeah. And here's this woman who's got mask and visor and just making sure that every student is taken care of and making sure the lesson was meaningful. And it, it really, um, it was really, it's really an amazing thing. And, and when, when we were debriefing, uh, when I was debriefing with the principal afterward, uh, and she jumped right into feedback, right? You know, glows and grows. But I just like, I took a minute to just kind of like pause us and say like, holy cow right like what yeah. like what this woman and it's all it's all teachers right it's everywhere oh, yeah. and uh yeah i mean no, no real no no new learning but maybe just a reminder that the people who do this work are just absolute absolute monsters man yeah. just like unstoppable forces of nature who when it's time to pivot they pivot and they and they make just make it happen for kids and families so um great stuff Great stuff. Hey, last question, man. Same oh, yeah. question always. Mm. You're going to get mad at me for my response, so I'm going to call on oh, you first. God. Look at me. I'm so, it's the educator me. I'm going to call on you. You're the only person here right now. Uh, what? You probably Antonio. have something cheap. What's that? I said, you probably have something cheap, which is why you dropped the F-bomb earlier. <laughs> oh, it's the che- I have the cheapest thing. I have the cheapest thing. You know, that's the, oh, no. the cheapest thing you could imagine. Well, um, I will go. What, if anything, are you drinking, Antonio? Oh, yeah. So, you remember last week, I had the, the, um, I had, I had gin and juice. Yeah. And I had a headache afterwards. Really? But I I don't understand, so I'm struggling because I always drink the Hendrix, I don't get a headache. But then when I changed it to gin and juice, I don't know, maybe that has some, like, sort of physiological effect. I don't know. I had a headache afterwards. You had a juice hangover? It was like, it, it was a weird, yeah, yeah, it was weird. And I, I don't know why. Maybe because I conjured up Snoop or something and it like, I don't know. There was something, I always drink Hendrix, I never get a headache. When I added orange juice, something changed. So I wasn't as fancy as I usually am. So maybe that's what it was too. I'm used to fancy. So, but today. It's like your body rejecting. It was, hold on, your body <laughs> rejecting the cheap the cheap juice, right? <laughs> it's waiting. It needs uh, cucumber and mint and all those. Things. No, I think that that is actually a, a thing. Um, today I'm I'm drinking um, Crown Apple, and it's fun. You can't see this because I, I I usually and you know what? And I think it was also because I wasn't drinking out of a glass. I was also drinking out of a a, a red cup. Maybe that you know I'm putting all this together now, but I am drinking. Uh, Crown apple um, with uh, a splash of ginger ale and pineapple juice. The ginger ale gives it that nice little like and the uh, <laughs> and the pineapple juice gives it the, the nice little smooth wave. So hold on, so is that the taste. technical term for the ginger ale? That's yeah, 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 yeah. You know that's you know when you have to like it gets right in your throat like that ginger ale little yeah, kick know, right there yeah you got it well that. it was the that was the stomach ache remedy when we were little <laughs> yeah you know here you have a stomach ache drink ginger ale I'm not sure that that 
that that did anything. Hey, um, I know you're the science. I know you have the science background, and I don't. But I think your theory about uh, the red solo cup and the juice giving you the hangover versus the 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 full glass of gin you had. I think that your hypothesis is off. No, um, I'm empirical. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> uh, listen, man. Um, Here's why you're going to get mad at me. Have you heard of a workout program called 75 Hard? Are you familiar with that? Oh, my gosh. You have another program. Yes, I've heard of it. Yes. So I am on day four of 75 Hard. It's 75 straight days, 75 straight days of two workouts a day. Each one's 45 minutes. One of them has to be outside. So regardless of weather, luckily, I like the cold. It is a diet of your choice. I'm choosing to do intermittent fasting. So I'm only eating like six to eight hours a day, usually six. Uh, you have to read 10 pages of a book. You have to drink a gallon of water. But one of the things, no cheap meals. For me, I don't do any deliveries. So nothing that's going to, nothing that I don't, I don't make myself. And yes. one of the, one of the, uh, our producer's telling us that it sounds fun. <laughs> I think she's being sarcastic. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the expectations as well is no alcohol. Oh so, and no sugar. I mean, I can't, in fact, I did the last time I did this, uh, both my boys' birthdays are in October. And so we do a joint party for them because they're two weeks apart, two years yes. and two weeks. And so I cut the birthday cake and I licked the knife that has the frosting on it and then realized that I'm halfway through 75 hard and I have frosting in my mouth, which is totally against the rules. So I run to the sink and I spit it out. Uh, so it is that is that regimented. So I am not uh, drinking anything. So maybe the F-bomb earlier was because I'm so frustrated <laughs> that you're drinking and I'm sure our guest is going to be drinking, but I am not for another 71 days. Um, but I promise to be as, uh, as, as much fun as I could possibly be. And maybe I'll just drink some juice um, and uh, out of a red solo cup and uh, try and try Michael. and emulate you from the last one. Michael, you know, you know, I love you. You know, this. I, I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> and for our, our listeners that know, you know, we, we all know that you're intense. Like we get it. <laughs> OK, Michael, you, you're in very good shape. Why the hell are you doing this again? Like what? what I, I'm dumbfounded. Yeah, it is a like uh, it is a mental so physic. I mean, it challenges you physically. But you it can is do a, it mentally. You know, you can do it. You've already <laughs> done it. Why are you doing it again? I uh, I wanted to. I don't know. I think I'm going to do it twice a year. I got to be honest. I think I'm going to do it at least oh, once, Jesus. but twice a year for as long as I can. So oh. we shall see, um, and we'll see if our guest Angel is also doing 75 hard. We'll find out. <laughs> By the way, the guy who founded 75 hard is this guy. I'm not even going to mention his name, but this guy's built like multiple nine figure businesses. And this is his workout program. And I started listening to this guy's podcast. I'm like, dude, this guy's in your face. He's so intense. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we don't talk politics on this show. And I'm not going to do that now. But he started going on some crazy like tinfoil hat type shit around like just i mean i can't even tell you man i had to yeah. like i had to like unsubscribe from the podcast i unsubscribed from all his programs we could have differing political opinions you can't be a, an insane human being and yeah. us like and us and us relate in that way so um i no longer follow his stuff but i love i love the program and uh yeah man so i'm on day i'm on day five we'll see or day, day four so we'll see in the 71 days i'll uh we'll, we'll try and do a podcast on that day and uh, i'll have a i'll have a gin and gin and juice with you oh man all right on that note we are gonna right, bring out 
our guest. He is currently a leader in a charter school in New York City, but he's had pretty much every job in education. He's been a parent coordinator. He's been a business manager. He's been a director of operations. He's been an assistant principal. He's been an ELA teacher all across the city of New York. His name is Angel Pena. Angel, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me, Antonio and Michael. Hearing that intro, I've held a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, and so the question is, are you really good at jobs or are you really bad at jobs? And so you keep getting you keep getting axed. Oh. I don't know. I mean, the bosses I've had, they've just they've always just promoted me. Now I can't talk either. I think it's the drink that I have. <laughs> Well, we're going to get to that, man. What are what are you drinking? What are you having? Are you, so I, I suppose you're not doing 75 hard with me. Is that accurate? Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> Sorry. I, I'll, I'll support you in spirit, though. Support you in spirit. <laughs> um, I am drinking some tequila, some Casamigos. Uh, shout out to Casamigos. Um, with some lime seltzer water. Nothing oh. crazy. Real simple. I can't... After 25, the hangovers are a little different. <laughs> well, I think it's just the red solo cups, man. Just stop using those. And you I think it's the cups. Anymore. That's, yes. the, that's the theory that we are that we are <laughs> that we are pushing tonight. Um, Angel, we want to thanks. Thanks so much for being here, man. We want to talk to you about um, specifically around relationships. And this is something that I know uh, that we know is really important to you in schools. And so across all your different roles, right? I mean, relationships matter and they matter everywhere, but there are lots of jobs where folks come in and they put their heads. I've had jobs like this. You put your head, you, you clock in, you put your head down, you do your work, you go home. School, school can never be like that, right? You have not only, uh, 10, 20, 30, 50, 200 other adults on your team, but you have hundreds and hundreds of students, of young people with, with, with smiles and with, with troubles and with everything in between. And so um, what, what are people getting right about relationships in schools? And then what are, what are some things that you see people, uh, people missing in schools around relationships? That's a good question. Um... I think that things that they're getting wrong are that they're forcing them. A lot of educators, they like to play this game of, oh, I went to this fancy college. They taught me how to build a relationship and that's what I need for classroom management. Wrong. That is completely wrong. It needs to be authentic. You need to go to that basketball game. You need to go to that football game. You need to knock on a door and not question, why am I knocking on a student's door? Some of the best relationships I built are when I went to a child's house because they weren't coming to school. Um, I needed, and it was really me harassing the parent instead of harassing the stu- looking for the student. You know, um, I, I think about a student um, that I had last year in my previous school where mom called me. She was like, I can't find my daughter, but I'm at work. Can you go? Can you help us out? I'm like, I'm in the Bronx. I'll go right now. I know you live in the Bronx. Got in my car on a Saturday. Went to go look for this little girl and her friend. And I, I she ended up at the home. She was at CVS doing God knows what. An eighth, you know, eighth graders, they just do whatever they want. And <laughs> um, and she, I got to the house and this, um, the dad was there. But mom is like, I need you to do me a favor. Knock some sense into her. I was like, okay, so we can't do that. <laughs> uh, I can speak to her very harshly. She was like, do what you got to do. You're the parent. 
And a lot of my best relationships are when parents tell me you're the parent. So to go back to the question is when it's right, it's authentic. It happens naturally. You don't have to force it. When it's wrong is when I'm looking at a book to tell me how to build a relationship. Got it. Thanks, man. That's great. I know we're going to talk a bunch about that throughout the night. It's a great, yeah. it's a great way to start the conversation, man. Thank you. You know, um, Angel, I'm thinking, is there, I mean, relationships are obviously very, very important. And I know that it's part of the, you know, what teachers learn when they're first learning to be a teacher. You got to build a relationship. We all know that that is the linchpin. But is there a such thing as there being too much of a focus on relationships or relying on them too much, let's say, over, you know, like executing in their class, in, in a teacher executing in their classroom? Can can that be a bad thing? Can there be, is there a such thing as too much? You know, I don't I don't know, um, because some of my best relationships, some of the best results I've ever seen is because of the relationships that I've had with my students. Some of the relationships that I built with the staff that I've coached, they've delivered the best results a lot of times. But I could see where that's when we get into the warm, strict idea, right? The, the mm -hmm. teacher is too warm or too strict. They're so warm with the student and we're on an education podcast that I can say these things, I can use these terms. <laughs> They're so nice to the student, no great, no consistency with expectations that you see that teacher that is like, oh, I'm going to depend so much on this great relationship that I don't need to be consistent. And then the teacher is then has no classroom management and the mm -hmm. students do whatever they want. But then you have that teacher who's so strict that has no relationship. So it goes back to like meeting them in the middle. And that was always something that I made sure I did. And then I always conveyed to anybody that I was coaching, be warm strict never too much of either right and so when you think about that <clears throat> and i want to relate back to what you said earlier uh about the authenticity of a relationship um can, can you think of an example or a time when a person was pro you know maybe not authentic where they relied you know maybe too much onto that relationship you know they did the textbook uh relationship and they weren't able to be as maybe as you talked about earlier, maybe not as authentic. It was sort of like that textbook out of school, you know, um, thing. And I want to kind of relate that to sort of what you just talked about, about warm, strict and, and authenticity. Um, have you ever seen that, you know, people try to build a relationship and, and fail and, and not be able to execute on that? I'll go with the second part first. I think about that teacher that I've, the teachers that I've seen that when they go to build the relationship, it's already too late because they've already, they've had no like real authenticity to it. And it's mm -hmm. January and it's like, Oh, I'm going to build a relationship. Let me try to build a relationship with the student now. And then the student is going to tell you, who are you? I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Why are you in front of my face? Um, and I think we, I think I saw that a lot in my previous school, which was when, they would try to be a disciplinarian yeah. and the teacher is like, and the teacher or the leader or whoever is trying to discipline the students during a transition, for example, or during in a classroom. And the students are like, we don't even know you. Who are you? Why are you here? Because no relationship was built the first few months of school, the first few weeks. So and so now to go back to your first question, which was 
have I seen yeah. um, this work, correct? Was that the question? Yeah, yeah. So like, when, when have you I seen this, like, you know, this attempt? Okay, my drink might be taking over. It's <laughs> um, okay. I have seen this attempt. It's still I early, think... Angel. Your drink can't take over <laughs> no, yet. It's, we're, it's only it's the second cause... question or third. <laughs> it's after break. We just started break. You know how it is in schools? <laughs> That's right. right. So for the, hold on. This is important because not everybody knows this, but those of you who aren't in New York, New York gets a break President's Day week and others, a lot of other states don't. I think... I was told, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I tell people this as if it's true, but I'm, it might not be, but that won't be the first time I've ever done that. But I was about to say. I, I heard that there was a gas gasoline shortage in the 1970s. And so the, the, the state of New York, maybe it's the city, but I, it might be the state, decided we're going to take President's Day week off because it saves me. You're talking about thousands of buses, right? It's the largest school district in the whole country. So thousands and then across the state, too. I don't, I don't know. If, it might have just been the city. But um, thousands of school buses and thousands of people, you know, thousands and thousands of people driving their kids to school. And so they said, we're going to take a week off and, and save some gasoline and then I think after that, they were never able to like get because you know how New Yorkers are. We're like, you give us something and we're like, nope, that's now mine. Right. So like, nope, that's mine now. Right. So like I think they were never able to get get New Yorkers back in school this week. And so I remember when I first got to Philly as a teacher, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like, all right, we're going to have that February break. And everyone's like, what are you talking, what are you about? talking about? And by the way, why didn't you look at the calendar earlier? It's January you know, 25th. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I thought we were getting a break. So um Anyway, we, Angel's on break. My kids are on break. Antonio and I are not. But um, but but Angel, tell, I'm sorry, I interrupt you. Go go back to that the place where this relationship works. Yeah. So best thing is that I'm on break. I just needed to say that one more time. <laughs> um, where it worked was I remember a classroom that I was in. That actually, it was when I was teaching, and my fellow one of my fellow colleagues they they were at times that I was I, I would go to their classroom and I saw students stressed out almost. And I questioned it even. I was like, what is going on? And I realized it was the high expectations that, that this teacher had. And I remember this teacher told me, parents and students will complain about me at first, but give me time. I guarantee you by the end of that year, I realized that that teacher was best for kids. That teacher had high expectations. Many, 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 many parents complained about her in the beginning, but she had such a strong relationship with those kids that they, that they, they were set up for success for many, many years to come. So it was great to see that. And it was great to see it differently. Where me, on the other hand, as a teacher, I was a little bit more, I, I had high expectations, but it was very different. It was nice to see it in a different way. That's all. That's awesome, man. And I think it's it, it resonates. And Antonio, I'm sure it resonates with you as well. But uh, the teachers in, in the schools we're in who have the best relationships yeah. with kids are not the ones who are most chummy or... Um, I'm not, I don't think I've ever used the word chummy before, but I think it worked right there. Uh, but uh, they're not the ones who are like best buds with the kids, right? They're the they're the teachers who have the the highest expectations, but also provide kids with the the most caring and the most support, 
Uh, it is not a, I'll share a, I'll share a story. When I was a teacher, there was a, um, an intervention teacher who used to come in and, and use my room for, for a small group. And she'd promised uh, six or seven students that if they'd done X thing, that she was going to get them all cheesesteaks, right? We're in Philly, so Philly cheesesteaks, which you you know that that is a big reward. I mean, I'm not talking about a a, la- a piece of Laffy Taffy, right, or a couple of <laughs> M&Ms. A Philly cheesesteak, like foot-long, seated roll, like seated, seated bun. And uh, the, the kids, because um, she was in my class every day, it was last period, the kids had not even come close to meeting her expectations, but she'd promised if they did, she'd give them cheesesteaks. And I'm watching this woman lower her bar as the class is going on and going on to the point where by the end, the kids are basically yelling at her, uh, but she still decides like, you did the thing, so we're going to get cheesesteaks tomorrow. And so mm-hmm. she gets cheese, she takes everyone's order and gets the cheesesteaks. And I got to tell like, you've never seen anything like this. Well, maybe you have. But children screaming at the teacher because they wanted onions, but she got them mushrooms. <laughs> and they wanted uh, cheese whiz, but she got them provolone. And like this, like, and I'm like, and she was totally well-intentioned, right? She's trying to build relationships with kids, but she did it the totally wrong way, right? She thought she the expectations were, were, were as low as the floor. Yeah. And she was begging kids to like her. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bribe you, right? I'm going to bribe you with with this and 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 the kids didn't they didn't appreciate it they didn't they didn't respect they didn't respect it and i'm I'm convinced it's because they didn't respect her and they didn't they didn't think that it was that she was authentically trying to build relationships with them does that I mean angel does that resonate with you yeah it goes back to that warm strict idea i think of the teacher that's too warm that it will lower their expectations because students did the bare minimum and then it's like when you need to be strict on them, it completely backfires on you completely. Like I've seen that I've, and then it's hard because you try to be consistent as a teacher yourself with the classroom expectations. And then you have a student walking into your class with a whole bacon, egg and cheese in their mouth. And it's (laughs) like, why do you have a bacon, egg and cheese? Oh, so-and-so teacher gave it to me. Why? Oh, because I didn't talk the whole class. But you don't talk in my hope in my class at all, and I'm never giving you a bacon egg and cheese. <laughs> They're like, "Well, I, I'm scared of you." So first of all, that's not what we're gonna say. <laughs> but understand that it's this. That's when I realized that wow, everybody's so different as an educator. But so many, so many educators have tried to bribe students, yeah, get them to respect them, and then it completely backfires. One thing I will always say, and, and and I have many coaches who have said this in the past, middle school, elementary, high school kids, they will tell you about your life. They're going to tell you <laughs> everything they need to tell you, especially if they don't like you, if they don't respect you, if they're playing you, if they're bribing you, they're going to tell you. Yeah. So my advice out there is, if I can give advice on this, yes, build authentic relationships do not bribe children with if you're in philly philly cheesesteak if you're in new york a bacon egg and cheese or a i chocolate. was about to say that they're equivalent those are the equivalents <laughs> the equivalent bacon, egg, and cheese, or a chopped cheese chopped cheese is the equivalent but bacon egg and cheese it was like no don't do it just build yeah. that relationship feed them another time <laughs> this is a really serious question i want to pivot for a second but do you go uh-huh. do you put ketchup on your bacon egg and cheese or or what because i do <laughs> 
And I also do sometimes a little hot sauce. And I, I need my eggs to be over medium, so a little runny. What what's Angel, what's the what's the technique for you? So it, <laughs> it's funny that you asked me that. This morning <laughs> I decided to go. There's two bodegas near my current job. There's one that's a little fancy, there's one that's a little sketchy. <laughs> I go to the sketchy one. I, of course I had no do. doubt you were gonna say that. <laughs> And I, I was like, listen, I just want a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. That's it. I don't. I do ketchup every now and then, but regularly it's bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. <laughs> this customer comes in right behind me. Yeah. And he's like, "What did you? What did you order?" I was like, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "I ordered the hood sandwich, a bacon, egg, and cheese." <laughs> She's like, "Hmm, that sounds good." Order it too. <laughs> so she ordered a bacon, egg, and cheese as well. I was like, I feel like I was productive today. No ketchup, no hot sauce, just a regular bacon, egg, and cheese. Angel, you got me thinking about food. Um, where should people eat in New York? What? Give us a place. Like, where, where's a little place that's off the beaten path? You know, some some place that people just don't know. You know, it could be you know, the Bronx or wherever. But what's a place where where should someone go? Any of our listeners, and don't say your home. Don't say mom's home. My mother's um, home, because <laughs> people are volunteering their houses um, in, in other episodes. Where should people go? Where should people go eat? Ooh, this is a good one. And this is a Ske- good one. Because... Go sketchy bodega. Sketchy bodega. No, no sketchy bodega. <laughs> no poppy store. Well, the thing is, if you want to sit down, now that restaurants are open in New York City. Um, <laughs> if you want to sit, I recommend really nice really low key spot, but it gets really, it's like an older vibe, an older crowd vibe is Ricardo Steakhouse. It's in Harlem. I haven't been there in years, but I've been thinking about it a lot. Why? Because the other day I was talking to someone and I was like, wow, I really miss Dykeman. For those that don't know, Dykeman is the vibes on a Saturday, Friday night, or on a Sunday brunch day where you go into Washington Heights in Manhattan, Inwood, and there's a bunch of restaurants there. But I remember going to Ricardo Steakhouse and the food was always delicious. It was great. The drinks were always fantastic. And, but like after seven o'clock, it got kind of like a over 25 crowd where there was R&B music, some nice hip hop, always really friendly, really nice, um, service so i recommend ricardo's and a sketchy bodega every now and then <laughs> the, Got it. the uh you're, you're i've never been to ricardo's but i've got to be honest i haven't eaten in like six hours so i'm <laughs> it sounds amazing um it'd probably sound amazing if i was full as well i think i just want to go back to the bodega for a second because i think <laughs> um there's a there's a there's like a unique um like ecosystem that's happening inside of bodegas and delis in New York, where it is like this, uh, the people behind the counter are geniuses at what they do and also seem to be angry that you're even there. The There's no line. Uh, and I, when I know that when I'm online, it's like I am I am in this constant, <laughs> I'm in this elevated state of anxiety because I'm like, 
the, the people from behind the counter didn't see me yet, but then like two more people walked in and they kind of like moved to your left. And now I'm like, I'm trying to like edge in front. It really is this like kill or be killed. I'm like edging in front of them, right? Got my shoulder in front of them and waiting for the person to turn around. In Philadelphia, as tough a town as Philadelphia is, like you go take a number, you wait online or you put it in yeah. like the, there's a computer, it's computerized. New York is still this like kill or be killed, eat or be eaten ecosystem where like going to the deli is stressful. And by the way, you better order perfectly the first time, right? <laughs> the guy, the person's going to be kind of like yelling at you. It's like some, it's usually some young dude or some like older woman who's been there at that same place for a hundred years. And it's like a, it could be an intimidating experience, right? And you forgot the cat. There's always a bodega cat. Oh my God. There's always a, There's always a cat. cat. That's right. There's always the bodega cat who's like security, I think, and is like allowing people in almost. <laughs> there is a cat. There is I, always a cat. There's so there, a cat. so I don't know if you noticed, but also when it's going towards that, Michael, if you look at the bodega, there's always a menu of items. Yeah. I don't, I, I have anxiety over that. That gives me anxiety. It's like, I don't know if I want to try these new items that you're selling me or if I just want to go with the normal. So people always ask me, what did you get at the bodega? I'm like, the same thing I always get, but a bacon egg and cheese. What did you get? They're like, same thing I always get. I said, so I think the menu is pointless because it gives me anxiety. The menu is pointless. But, and I think to your point, I think the ordering of the same thing is partly because I know my order by heart. I know I'm going to, it's going to happen really fast. This is going to happen really fast. I better say it right. There's going to be people trying to oh, cut yeah. in front of me. So I'm going to say it fast and say it right and get the same thing. I, there might be something new I want to try. I remember asking, I was like, hey, do you have any avocado? Because I wanted to like add, I was doing a healthy thing and I wanted to add avocado. Again. Yeah, I was doing a healthy thing. I wanted to add avocado and like, you should have seen the looks I got. And it was basically, I'm surprised they didn't like run me out of there or have the cat jump on, jump on me uh, on command so hey, but listen man speaking of new york right you're from you're from nyc uh raised in harlem you live in the bronx i, I, have, a, I have a i have a question for you man are you a, are you a yankees fan and if you are uh can you tell people why the yankees the new york yankees are the greatest team oh, in sports man. history oh I am a Yankees fan. A, I was raised a Yankees fan. I feel like it was just, I was born and we were given Yankees hats at the, <laughs> at the hospital. Like, it was just like we were born it. in Harlem. You're close. And, and I lived, crazy thing is, I lived right walking distance from Yankee Stadium. I mean, it wasn't the closest walk, but it was pretty close from where I lived in and grew up. And then I went to school real close to Yankee Stadium with 10 blocks away. So I think growing up, it was just the team that you knew, especially with the the, the all-star team of Derek Jeter and uh, Mariano Rivera yeah. uh, and, you know, guys like that, that it was like you grew up with a team that was almost like comparison to the Tom Brady, the the New England Patriots type, type ideal of that we have now, especially right. when he's with the Bucks now. But the same with the Yankees. I mean, they were, unfortunately, they're not the team that they were all those years ago growing up, but right. it was still that idea that this was the New York home. This was New York, yeah. New York champions. I mean, compared to the other teams that we have that haven't been anywhere in a very long time, but the Yankees was just the team you grew up with. And that was, I, I, and I go back to September 11th, shortly after September 11th, 2001, I want to say September 12th, 13th. 
it was the game that George Bush threw the mm. opening mm-hmm. pitch. And yeah. I remember living so close to Yankee Stadium because we were watching the game. I was watching it in the living room, my mom in the room. And no, my mother was watching her novelas. I was watching the game. <laughs> and Spanish women, you know, Spanish moms, the novelas. Um, and I remember hearing the Jets fly over. Mm-hmm. And I and that impacted me so much because I was like, wow, th- this is the first real American thing that brings us back together. It's a Yankee game. Wow. So that always impacted me a lot. And that's what just makes it them the greatest team ever. Wow. You know, George uh, George Bush, he threw a he threw a strike on that pitch too, which um I mean the, the that was a that's a moment that's etched in my mind as well. I mean that's our city was reeling, right? I mean that's an understatement. Uh I mean it was so surreal. Yeah. And uh, and horrifying, and, and just and throw throw. I mean, throw any adjective in there. Um, and and you're right, man. That sports came back, uh, and the president, whatever your politics are, the president of the United States was there, and he threw a strike, uh, and it was like, um, you know, we're not going to be better, uh, but like this is this could be a step toward toward getting better. So, right. you know, I had those um, growing up. We were actually Mets fans, but uh, it. Uh, I'm still to this day. I'm an anomaly. Uh, my sister's similar. Like, love the Yankees, love them to death. And if the Mets are doing great, I'm happy. I'm not the guy who's like rooting against the Mets. It's just like, hey, we're all the same, all from the same city. Let's root for the. Let's root for the. Let's root for the home team. So, tell us uh, just one more question on New York, man, because uh, you know it's it's my home as as well as yours. And I, I think New York, in some ways, has a rap that might not be totally true. Uh, or New Yorkers, at least. And so I'd love to ask you, what's something that people think is true about people from New York or even the city itself that that just isn't? Long pause. Long pause. He's thinking, (laughs) folks. Yeah, because they're all true, probably. (laughs) I mean, me and New York City, we have our struggles, even though I love being a New Yorker. Yeah. Um, especially when I speak to people outside of New York, they always have something to say about New York. Um, that we are all mean, yeah. especially on the subways. Yeah. And that's not true. We're not all mean. We're just trying to get to where we need to go. We're trying yeah. to get to work. We're trying to get to our families. So no, we're not all mean. We're good people. We, we try our best to be nice every now and then. Every now and then. I. <laughs> I, I will tell you my my time on on the subways absolutely um, with you know millions of people trying to get someplace you just don't have time to take in the millions of people walking past you on the same train. <laughs> really quickly though about the Yankees again, the other thing and this is the New York thing in me is I think it would also made the Yankees just the best team ever was always the rivalry with Boston. Yeah. You ever saw one of those games? It was like you had to, and as a New Yorker, you just felt in love with it. Like especially when there was like violence at the games. I know, yeah. <laughs> but it was just that vibe. I remember growing up to that New York, Boston rivalry, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a New Yorker. No matter if you watch baseball or not, you have to root for the Yankees. So just wanted to say that as well. I am going to end this New York love fest, <laughs> and we're going to pivot. I'm from Chicago. I'm not a Yankees fan, and I am. I am going to. Uh, ex- <laughs> we're going to end this New York love fest right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Angel, as we get ready to wrap up, what is, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, um, just about folks really coming together. You and Michael were talking during your your your, your New York Love Fest and, and folks really coming together during really difficult times. Um, and we're in one of those times right now um, that our country is going through. What is something that, you know, even in the midst of all of this this craziness that's going on, what is something that schools are really getting right in 2021? What are, what are some schools really nailing, um, even though we got a lot going on? I pause again because there are so many things they're getting wrong. Sure. I've heard from schools that are being organic with their learning during this. Okay. They're understanding that their students are in a pandemic and it's not just them in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. When I say organic with their learning, I mean, they're forgetting that there's a state exam. They're forgetting that there's a retention. They're forgetting about grades. Mm. Forgetting about all that stuff. They're understanding and being human beings to the students that are their biggest stakeholders. Mm. They are working with families to get their students, their scholars to understand at least and learn what they need to for the year that they're in. I think about schools that I've seen, that I've spoken to other leaders from other schools. And I think about the, and I always ask how has been, how has teaching been during the pandemic? Yeah, Their response yeah. has been, a lot of the responses has been, oh, well, mm -hmm. we're focusing on making sure that they pass with the above A's or something, and we're going to have summer school, and we're going to have retention, and we're going to have all this stuff. So what are we doing for the students that have struggles with technology, with internet? Let's get to the real question. Are students even learning? And I think that the schools that are focusing on that piece, the human piece, along with the learning, are the ones getting it right. right. The ones focusing on checking boxes and meeting their, their, their um, I don't want to say quota, but I would say um, the requirements outside of the pandemic are the ones that are getting it wrong. And how do we keep that going and that feeling when this is over? Like, are we going to revert back to, you know, where, where we were? Or are we going to, how do we keep this human spirit where we're like, you know, really see our students um, for who they are and where they come from and, and the communities that they're in um, and take all that into consideration? It's hard. Yeah. But as leaders, we need to, we need to be authentic with ourselves. And we need to also, as for example, for myself, I'm not the final leader, as one would say, like I'm not a, I'm not the principal or I'm not a um, chief academic officer or I'm not um, the executive vice president of an organization. I'm a member of the leadership team. And I think it's holding my leader to the fire. I think it's mm. as, as a member of the team, making sure that I'm voicing that opinion and reminding us consistently of that authenticity, of that human peace when we come back into the world. Because when we come back into the world, and I, and I say the world of the normal school life, right? Yeah. When we're back in school, we have a lot of work to do. But we That's have great. to remember that the work that we have to do is not checking boxes for the state of New York or the state of Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, I was gonna say the state of Philadelphia, the state of <laughs> Pennsylvania, 
or the state of Connecticut or wherever, it's are we checking the right boxes for kids? Mm. At the end of the day, it goes back to those relationships that we have with students. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, listen, man, you get me choked up over here. Goodness. Uh, <laughs> let's do a drink check. What does everyone have left? How are we doing? I just got ice left. Just I'm down to ice. I don't even know. I think I have just the... Uh, <laughs> I was eating ice. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I just have the lime seltzer left at this point. <laughs> Did it like separate I, out? Like what? Wait, so. what? I have, I only have, uh, I have this uh, about, I'm showing you this uh, on a podcast. I have about uh, four ounces of water. And then another whole one, another whole 17 ounces. And I hit Michael, my, go to hell. I hit my go gallon for the day. Um, last question, Angel. Um, if you could change one thing in K-12 education in 2021, what would it be? The idea that you need a certificate or a degree to lead a school. Mm, say more about that. What does that mean? A lot of the times we are... There are phenomenal people out there in schools that have the bare minimum of a degree. Yeah. Right. And we and we say bare minimum. And when I say that, I mean have their four-year degree that they've earned, right? Yeah. Their bachelor's degree. Why does that stop them from being a leader in a school? How is it maybe their experience will make them a great leader? Hmm. A lot of times resumes are looked over because of that to expand even further on that i have seen situations where the first thing people look for is that degree and i've also seen that that degree or that license or that certificate is actually makes them the worst leader mm. in front of them mm. um many times i've been in conversations with someone who has that so-called degree or that certificate because it was required and I look at them and I say, hmm, I don't know. You don't build authentic relationships. You don't, you're not thinking about kids. You're just, you just want a seat and the title. You don't want to do the work. And that, that bothers me in education because, and I think of the political world of New York and I really hope that this podcast doesn't get us in trouble because I realize I'm saying a lot of really crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> I think of New York just because I've lived in New York, grown up working mm -hmm. in New York. In Department of Education standards, you need a certain certificate to grow, which is why I went to Charter World. Charter gives you that opportunity to grow, to learn, to be authentic. And I think that if the DOE opened up their, their that idea that I don't need this title or certificate right away, maybe experience can trump that, I guarantee you that there would be a lot more competition within the DOE and the and the charter worlds of New York. Well, all right. And by the way, I don't think you're saying anything crazy, man. We yeah, actually, uh, I love this conversation and I loved, uh, I loved talking to you and we loved having you as a guest, man. Um, Antonio, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off? No, I was going to echo what you said. You you can't say anything too crazy on here. We had someone <laughs> last week say, uh, go back to um, the the old way of, of increasing accountability in schools. And, you know, we had 
uh, the Beyonce of education tell us that. So you're telling us, like, let's change things. Let's change these requirements. And so um, we're in a time now of change. We got to do things different and, and rethink the way we think about school. So we appreciate that push. But you, you won't get in trouble for saying what you believe, man. Hey, Angel, will you, uh, will you come back on the show at some point? I definitely will. All you have to do is let me know. I am happy to join you all. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that the my favorite times are when I get to talk about education because I don't get to do them as much. Um, so anytime I get an opportunity to talk about kids and how do we make it better for them, I'm happy to be there. So anytime, just got to give me a call. And next time I'll have a Casamigos with you. So ah. folks, <laughs> uh, for Antonio, for Skyrocket, this is Informal Observations. Thanks so much for joining us. Angel Pena, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time. Keep on rocking. You just listened to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and tune in to our next episode.